Ladies and gents, my name is Brandon Stover. Welcome to the How to Solve Climate Change course from Plato University. Causes, systems, obstacles, solutions to this global challenge is what you're going to learn here today. When you're ready to learn more skills, join us for free at Plato.University. Let's get started with today's lesson. We'll have our expert guests briefly introduce themselves and their credentials for why they are able to speak to this topic. I'm Nivia Chanta. I am a self-proclaimed party sorceress, which means I like bringing people together to have fun. And that fun is structured on issues that I care about that I think are important to the world. So that includes climate and social justice. And what I really do is I'm the founder and CEO of Soapbox Project. That is my more official title in how I walk on this earth. And we are creating a community for busy people to take action on the climate crisis. And the main important thing that you need to know about it is that we, co we combine personal responsibility with collective action and fun because we don't need to add more doom and gloom to a doom and gloom world. And instead, we are finding bite-sized ways for people to learn and take action and have a good time. From your perspective, can you explain what climate education or an action-based community is? The role of climate education and education in general is to get people up to speed on challenges that are going on. And in my opinion, the goal of any education system should be to create people that are not just lifelong learners, but to create people that have the curiosity and willpower to actually take action on what they've learned. I see education and action as two sides of the same coin or two parts of the same system, however you want to put it. There's no point of educating yourself if you're not going to do anything with the things that you're learning. And, you know, in 2017, 2016, during the time of the U.S. presidential election, I feel like I was personally surrounding myself with so much information, reading the news all the time, reading about just horrible things that made me sad, like immigrant immigration detention camps and child abuse and all just really depressing stuff, but nothing. I was not doing anything with it. And it felt like even though I was educating myself, it felt like a completely pointless method of education because it wasn't like it was inspiring me to do better and fix the problems. It just sent me into this deep depression cycle. And so now, in my view, education is something that both teaches people something, but also equips them to actually improve the challenge that they're learning about. Can you explain why climate education would work or help to solve climate change? I think it's a fundamental part to solving climate change because as with any complex issue, there are tons and tons and tons and tons of things that every single person can do. And climate change, maybe it's not uniquely complex, but it can feel uniquely complex because out of many global challenges that we face, climate change is one of the, if not the most urgent issue. And because it's so complex and because it touches literally every single part of daily life, you know, climate intersects with gender, climate intersects with transportation, climate intersects with public health. For example, because of climate change, farmers are going through more severe droughts. And so it's so tight, it's so deeply entrenched and tied into all of these different issues that people care about. And because it's so complex, Education is a fundamental part in unpacking what is going on 
you know, the world is confusing. Climate change is a confusing part of it. And if you don't have accessible, approachable ways to learn about this issue, it can be really hard not only to take action, but also to take the kind of action that matters. So as a small example is recycling. People think that recycling is one of the most effective ways to do good by the planet. But if you are educated about, you know, waste management and the climate crisis and the circular economy and those kinds of topics, you'll learn that I'm not saying don't recycle, but you will learn that it has been largely pushed by the oil and gas industry to make people feel better about consuming more stuff. So that's just one very concrete example in my mind to why education is important to not only prepare you to take action, but to also set you up for the kinds of actions that are truly meaningful on an individual level, such as writing a letter to your local city council representative, which, you know, aren't things that sound as naturally glamorous and mainstream as recycling more because it hasn't been part of climate education. How would climate education not work or fall short of the climate change problem? I think there's two main ways that we're seeing it unfold now. The first is misinformation and disinformation. And recycling is a really good example of that because growing up, pretty much everyone that I know, including myself, thought, you know, as a climate activist or advocate or general person that cares about this lovely planet that we live on, recycling is one of the keys to a cleaner, greener, healthier earth. And misinformation, disinformation, lack of information, they all go hand in hand to creating education with the goal of furthering a nefarious system versus getting people to actually solve the challenges. And so, as I said, I think the goal of education is to solve challenges. The education that is pushed upon us by, for example, oil and gas companies, their goal is to help them sell more oil and gas and plastic. So that is one. And the other big thing, and this is often done with good intentions, is climate education can be really depressing. So, for example, if you are hoping to educate people about how bad the problem is and you're exposing them to pictures of burning forests and polar bears on melting ice sheets, that actually causes your brain to go into fight or flight mode because it's trying to protect itself against this huge, stressful existential threat. And so the other problem with climate education and how we're seeing it today is that it's a very doom and gloom focused. And I understand that the people that are that are spreading these types of content have maybe have good intentions of, you know, wanting you to care and take action, but it does the opposite. So I, through Soapbox Project, am working to build a world where joy is the theme, it is the goal. We should do better. And part of doing better is feeling better. And part of feeling better is more positive, approachable, joyful education. Who benefits and who is harmed most by climate education? I would say every single human and living being on this earth. When climate education is done with the lens of equity and justice and indigenous rights and inclusion in mind, then everyone benefits in the long term. Everything benefits in the long term. However, a lot of people in power can feel threatened by climate education because when you're educating someone, when you're teaching someone that our habits might be harmful, that, 
you know, we have a finite time to live on this planet if we're not taking care of it. It really shifts the systems of power. So, for example, the more we learn about climate change and the more we learn that companies like ExxonMobil have been, they have known about the climate crisis since the 70s and they have covered it up. The more people learn about that and are taking action about it, you know, that harms companies like Exxon, that harms the executives in the short term. I think that even the most powerful people in the world, they want the same things as all of us. We want a safe, healthy planet for ourselves, for our children, for our future. We all want the same things. But in the short term, people in power can feel really threatened that that their power is being taken away from them because it's being because we're spreading that power to create equity for everyone. Based on the education that you've put together, what are the parts and pieces for effective climate education that are actually going to inspire people to take action? Yeah, so I'm here to brag. So I will say that I think Soapbox Project is one of the most fun climate education destinations ever. What we do is We have different layers to what I like to call our social justice funnel. We combine personal responsibility, so understanding the individual choices you make with collective action. So maybe that is, you know, writing to your city council members, things like that, with fun, which includes meeting people locally, going to fun events where you can repair stuff that you own, things like that. And so within this grand vision of things, we have our membership community. But even before that, we have a free newsletter. I lovingly call it change letter, and that's how the world knows about it. And our method is we take a monthly topic and we break it down into four bite-sized modules. And every module takes less than three minutes to read. That's my commitment to our audience. So the four modules of our monthly topic are read, watch, act, and reflect. So for example, this month's topic is climate anxiety and self-efficacy, which means your ability to actually take action on the things that you want to take. You're, basically, it's your ability to believe in yourself. And so within the topic of self-efficacy, we on, in our read module, the first Wednesday of the month, we share some articles. And so this, this month's article was, what is self-efficacy? What is the concept? Why is it important? What are some of, what is some of the behavioral psychology behind this? And why should we add it to our climate action toolkit? And then in our watch module, We usually use that as a way for people to expand their perspectives. So I shared this TEDx talk from Jane McGonigal, the author of a book called Super Better, where she talks about how playing a game can extend your life by 10 years. And you might wonder, what does that possibly have to do with climate change? Well, her entire book is about how games can basically give you hope, optimism, self-efficacy, and help you take control of the choices that you're making and improve your life. And so we linked her TED Talk because I think that's just such an important skill and a fun way to achieve your goals. And then in our ACT module, we have specific things that people can do for their mental health in their communities, in their places of work. So, for example, joining your local buy nothing group is like a really quick action that gives you a sense of control, uh, helps you form community connections, things like that. And then in our reflect module, we kind of open it up to people that are subscribed to our newsletter. And it it really is just coming together as a community, reflecting on the actions that we've taken so that it is a full, you know, we have the whole month. So it's a full 30 day journey of learning about a specific topic. And then we reset and we start it over. And some of the things that are really important to me is that we make our content really approachable. 
I try to make it fun. You might think my puns are terrible, but hey, that's just the cost of doing business. And I, I just, I was sick of all of the science heavy, you know, the earth is burning by like one degree Celsius types of things. So we don't really focus on that. We focus on like it, as a human being that might know nothing about the science, what do you need to know? What actions can you take to feel better? And then what are some examples of other people doing these types of things so you can stay motivated in the long term? What's in climate education still needs to be built or policy needs to be put in place for this to be very effective? That's the million dollar question, right? If we are to have climate education that works, we really need to revisit the entire education system in countries like the United States that might be different from country to country. But especially from my perspective, as someone who was born in India and lived in the United States and lived in, I also lived in France for a bit and nowhere in those three countries did I get a sense that politicians and educators understand the urgency of the climate crisis and also know how to distill it in a way that makes students feel safe. And so I'll give you a positive example of where some people do climate education really well. Uh, one, one really, really small example that any teacher, any policymaker can implement is community composting. Everyone eats food. Most communities have some small plot of soil, whether or not they have a lot of it or a little bit, but community composting in schools is such an easy and fun way to get kids involved in learning about the earth and taking ownership, right? Like if you have a vermi compost, a worm compost garden, and you're a little kid, you, you now automatically have ownership over the problem. You don't need to know. Like, I just think that as a child, you don't need to know that the world is burning and temperatures are increasing globally by a degree Celsius. What you need to know is that we live on this beautiful planet. There's so much to protect. And when you compost your food and these little worms help eat it, you are doing something towards the solution. So I would like to see policy become more solutions focused and give educators the tools that they need. For those that are interested in creating climate education, what are the best two or three resources you could point them to? So, of course, because I'm biased, I think Soapbox Project is a lovely destination for people. I'll start there and I promise I'll, I'll shed light on some of my other favorites. But, I mean, different people are at different levels in their journeys. I think Soapbox is best for people that are truly looking to be accepted as full human beings with flaws. Like, we're all here trying our best. I found it hard to find a climate community that cared about other issues and also where I could talk to people as friends and not just, you know, network. And so for people looking for a friendly community that is not overwhelming, not judgmental, I would say join Soapbox. If it's not for you, if for people that are looking to get more involved in policy, I love Climate Change Makers. They're one of our partners. I love the work that they do. They have different policy action hours. They also have a community base. I don't know if they're doing this anymore, but for a while they took our framework of breaking a monthly thing down into four different modules since we have worked together on that. So Climate Change Makers is a great organization. Another resource is Grist. Out of all the newsletters, newspapers, magazines, all the content that I consume, Grist is the only one that I regularly 
read and open, and they focus on climate solutions journalism. And they also have a newsletter. I think it's called The Beacon, but it centers positive climate stories. And there's a lot of research showing that positive climate stories and the ability to imagine a better world does way more for our brains and our synapses and our ability to take action than the doom and gloom stuff. Right now, you're speaking to passionate students who want to actually solve problems like these. What top three skills should they study so that they actually have the ability to do so? The number one top skill is critical thinking. And as a part of that, understanding the problem. Then the biggest frustration is that people jump to the solution right away. So you might see a gap in the secondhand fashion market and you might think, great, the solution is a marketplace. But if you don't spend time critically thinking about the problem, talking to people experiencing the the challenge itself, and setting aside your ego, like usually I feel like a lot of people who are new to the climate movement kind of ask like, oh, why hasn't this been done before? And then they immediately suggest their own solution without really thinking, OK, why hasn't this done been done before? Maybe people tried. Why did they fail? And really just spending time exploring the solutions. The second one is something I really like to talk about a lot is climate imagination. and. Maybe that's maybe like a different way of wording that is creativity. And a lot of people don't think of themselves as creative. A lot of people don't think of themselves as artists, etc. But every single person has the ability to imagine stuff. We've been doing it since we were babies. And I think that's like another really underrated skill in the climate movement. Because if you can't imagine the future, you can't build it. So one exercise that I recommend to a lot of people is just journaling, you know, 200 years from now, if the world looked like the world you wanted to live in, what would it look like? What are the foods that you're eating? Where do your friends live? How do you get around? And usually when I have people do that exercise as a group, one thing that we realize is that we all care about the same things or pretty similar things. And then we have a framework to work towards as we pick up additional skills. So Once you imagine the kind of world you want to live in, as a student, you might realize, okay, the way that I like to get around in my 200 years from now city is an e-bike. And so I want to, you know, find a job working on micromobility or start my own whatever micromobility company, et cetera. So critical thinking, creativity. And then the third skill is active listening. This goes kind of hand in hand with the first critical thinking thing and understanding the problem. But I noticed that many of us who care about anything talk more than we listen. And I still struggle with that. As you can tell, I'm just chattering on and on. But something that I have learned on this journey is in order to develop myself as an entrepreneur, as a climate activist, as a writer, actively listening, not just listening, not just like, going on a walk and doing my podcast and forgetting about it, but like actively listening, taking notes on the books that I'm reading, finding books from, you know, underrepresented voices that have been doing this work for two centuries or more. That has been an absolute game changer. So I'll just, maybe I'll give you an example. Like active listening can come in so many different forms. It can be when you're talking to someone instead of thinking about what you're going to say next, truly understanding what the heck it is that they're saying because it might be really valuable. Uh, I also find 
when I have applied this framework to the books that I'm reading. So, for example, Braiding Sweetgrass is written by an indigenous author and a scientist. It is one of the best audiobooks that I've listened to. It's so calming for the soul. And it's also a book that, you know, you can read about it, forget about it and move on if you're not actively listening to the things that she's saying or writing about. But when I was listening to this book and I started to I wasn't multitasking and I was focusing on it more deeply. It gave me completely new frameworks to thinking about my own work and my own community that if I hadn't done that, I really don't know. Like Soapbox Project would have taken a lot more time to to be the thing that it is now. Any final recommendations for the audience? Take a walk in nature and remember why you're doing this. Your climate goals are not different from your life goals. We all want to live in a world that is safe and healthy and we want to hang out with our friends and family and not be lonely. And all of those things are only possible if we have a healthy planet and if we are able to access the joy that makes life worth living. Really, I'm serious. Go take a walk in nature and just like Do that every day or whenever you're able to and remember why you're doing this in the first place. You're not doing it because of one degree Celsius. You're doing it probably because, you know, you love the flowers that bloom next to your house or you don't want the birds flying over your head to be choking or like you love kayaking and in clear water, those types of things. And so I would say that's one. And then one that's just more personal to me is for anyone that's interested in checking out Soapbox. We have three or four climate solutions cohorts every year. And we're always looking for bright, motivated and fun people to join us, learn together in community about topics like food, fashion and taking action at work. Um, So if that's something that would bring you joy and you want to make new friends and take action in a friendly community, then check us out because we we just love going on this journey alongside people with the same values and interests as us. Let's practice. Create a short narrative or story that explains a specific climate concept you care about to a non-expert audience. Focus on clear language and relatable examples. It may be helpful to use the soapbox framework of read, watch, act, reflect to format your information for others. Thank you for taking the How to Solve Climate Change course. If you want to learn the skills to solve this global challenge, join us for free at Plato.University for exclusive content, extra resources, and actionable exercises with every lesson. This course was produced by Plato University, where students turn passions into purpose and learn skills to change the world. Learn more at Plato.University.